Hello and welcome to The Witch Source. I'm Whitney. And I'm Courtney. And we are The Witch Source. And we are talking to you today about brooms. Brooms. So much fun. I love making brooms. Brooms are awesome. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so diving into brooms. Uh, so the broom, besoms, hexenbesson, Stagheads and tussocks. Those are all names for brooms. Uh, but no matter what you call it, the broom has become an iconic symbol of witches. So, yes, well, I mean, when, yes. So, when you think about it, you know, what would the wicked witch from the Wizard of Oz be without her broom? I mean, that's it, just the iconic symbol. Would be a totally different movie. It would. <laughs> so have you ever thought, you know, why are witches depicted as flying on brooms? You know, why, yes, um, yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> so with this podcast, we're hoping, you know, we're going to take a further look at why it became the symbol of witches, how they're made and some of their magical purposes. All right, let's dive in. So what's first? Let's start with some history because, you know, I'm all about being teachy-like. <laughs> uh, okay. So um, the earliest known recorded use that I could find uh, of brooms dates back to 1336 BC. Egyptian priests swept their ritual areas with brooms and then sprinkled the ground with blessed water. So that's the first mention of brooms being used uh, with uh, magic and ritual. Uh, but I found some other stuff too. So awesome. pre-Columbian Mexico worshipped a witch-like earth goddess. I am not going to try to pronounce her name, but I will spell it in case anybody is interested in looking it up. It is T-L-A-Z-E-L-T-E-O-T-L. And hopefully from that, you now understand why I'm not attempting to pronounce that. <laughs> yeah, I can't even form that out. I'm a visual person. Yeah, it's really, it's really difficult. Um, <laughs> but so they earth, they worshipped this uh, witch-like earth goddess who was pictured naked on a broom. And she swept away disease and harm. Oh. Yeah. And then in... Uh, China, they worshipped a broom goddess whom they referred to um, as the goddess of fine weather. And she was invoked to bring clear weather in times of rain or rain in times of drought. Um, she was referred to as uh, she who was the girl who sweeps the weather clear. Um, and she was believed to live on the broom star. The broom star. Yeah, the broom star. Um, I'm not overly familiar with what the broom star is. I didn't dive that deep into it, but I thought that was very interesting that there is such a thing as a broom star in Chinese culture and beliefs. Um, then in ancient Rome, midwives would sweep uh, the house after childbirth uh, because they believed that the newborn child had entered from the realm of the dead. So they swept out the house to cut the ties between the living and the dead. And then um, 
the festivals to Athena included visits from the dead, kind of like Samhain. So it was like a sacred um, festival and time where the dead could visit and they were welcomed. But then when the festival was over, you swept your house to basically tell them it's time to go. <laughs> They're no longer welcome. I really find that interesting because I see a lot of ties there between, you know, practices then sweeping out energies or, and, you know, what we do today. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I totally agree. So let's talk about how the broom is used today in magic. All righty. So moving on to what we do today. So today in today's culture, um, you know, so I know when I'm using my broom, um, I usually use it to sweep the house after saging and, and it's sweeping symbolically, not actually sweeping the floor. And right. it's to ensure that all the negativity has left. Um, but, uh, and they say that, um, make sure that you, you sweep counterclockwise to undo and clear negativity. Yes. So you would go, uh, counterclockwise if you wanted to sweep out, um, the negative and clear the space. And like you were saying, you don't actually sweep the floor. You, um, you're not, you're not actually touching the floor with your broom. So, you know, it's all, again, um, symbolic and using your intentions to clear the energy out. But you can also sweep in positive energy and good luck. And to do that, um, and I would probably start with clearing first, right? So you'd go counterclockwise and clear out all the negative. But then you could go clockwise to bring in and sweep in the positive and good luck. Um, right. And magically a lot of times we use the broom to clear the space in which you're going to be performing a ritual to make right. sure that the space is clear for that so that's the majority of the time you know when and how you're going to use your broom um i did find mention of um some witches replacing their wand with a broom um, oh, i like that idea yeah, so anything that you would use your wand for, you would actually use your broom for instead. So. See, I could see me doing that. I've never been drawn to actually using a wand, so but I do like my broom. Yeah, so it's an option. So on that note, the broom is... Uh, <laughs> I found a few things which I found interesting. Um, the broom is associated with the air element, uh, which kind of makes sense. Oh, but speaking of wands, you found a cool little tidbit about wands and brooms. I did find. Um, so uh, when uh, it was actually during the uh, the burning times that um, they believed that witches kept their wands in the bristles of the brooms. I thought that was pretty cool. I thought that was neat because, I mean, what better way to conceal? I mean, brooms are so brooms have been used throughout all of history you know cleaning the floors or cleaning the hearths I mean hearth was like the central place you know in a home that's where everyone gathered so you know brooms were critical to keep that clean and 
you know, it, it's just an everyday, you know, object that's in everyone's homes. So what better place, you know, to, to hide something than pretty much in plain sight. Exactly. Yeah. I could almost see like when you're making your broom, almost like adding in the center somehow, some way to like attach your wand, some kind of like wand holster hidden on the inside. Okay. Yeah. So you you know, I make brooms. I I do make brooms. And I think that they're, I mean, I don't, so because of how tight brooms are wound, um, I, I really don't think that you could make it something that you could pull in and out. I mean, you could probably devise a way. But could you could you make something like a piece of leather that could get wound in, like a thin piece of leather that just kind of hangs down in the center? Obviously, it's shorter than the bristles, so you don't see it, right? But then the bottom part had like some kind of snaps or something where you could snap your wand in. Totally. Totally. I could, I could totally see that because essentially the, the center of your broom is hollow from the stick down to where it's tied. So you do have that space right there where you could almost put like a tube in there that would fit the size of your wand that you could, you could, you know, slide it in. I'm totally envisioning this. Okay. It's a thing. It's a thing. I know. No, I totally envisioned this like piece of leather hanging down with the snaps so that you could like snap it in and secure it. So that's kind of where I was going when I first mentioned it. Cause that's what I saw. So I totally think we could come up with something. Okay. Patent pending. Yes. Patent pending. I think we are, we are totally going to make that a thing, especially since uh, you make brooms. Uh, we could start doing uh, custom broom orders and have the uh, wand holster hidden in the center as an option. <laughs> I totally love that. Seeing it, it, it yeah, this will happen. I could, t- I mean, I would, I, I would totally use it just because I think it's a great and really super cool idea. So, you know, in my, my office and magical space, um, I could totally see me hanging my broom up and yeah, putting my wand in there for storage. I really like it. I love it. It's fun. Okay. So uh, back to the broom is associated with the air element, and I can see that um, for several different reasons. I mean, you've got, you know, the wood piece, and when you are using your broom, you're sweeping the air um, and the energies. So it makes sense. Also, it's associated with flying, which we'll come back to in just a moment. Um, We'll get there. (laughs) it's also I found associated with the water element uh, because it's considered a purifier because you're purifying the space maybe that's why I've been drawn to brooms Mm, right because you're a Pisces and a water sign yes that makes sense that totally makes sense but yeah so it's also associated with the water element and then I also found mention of it being associated with the fire element but I could not find um, a why. So there's that. Hmm. If you're interested and you want to figure out if you if you want to personally associate your broom with the fire element, and you want to make a connection, you know, maybe I could see it, it because it's made from wood. Um, and most most brooms nowadays are made from broom corn, mm-hmm. um, which is flammable. So you True. know, being flammable. 
Eh, well, and I know there are some rituals and ancient rituals um, and rituals associated with different uh, deities and also uh, certain festivals in which you burn the broom. Oh, right. Right. Well, you know, you're not supposed to take an old broom into a new house. So burning a broom. Mm, yeah. But yeah. But I don't think that that's your magical broom. I, no, I, I wouldn't think, think so. That that yeah, that that's having to do with, you know, your house broom. But if you do have to take your old broom into a new house, carry it in through the window. Oh, okay. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. So um, just to clarify for everybody, you do not want to use the same broom that you clean with as your magical broom. You do want two separate brooms. Right. Because your magical broom, you know, should never be used to actually sweep the floor or clean. Um, it should only be used for magical purposes. So Unless just you're mentioning collecting that. Unless you're collecting magical cobwebs. True. Now, there are spells that call for cobwebs. So if you're using your broom to collect the cobwebs, I could totally see that. That would be an okay reason to, to clean because it's still for a magical purpose. <laughs> right, right. And that's for it's magical also, cleaning. <laughs> right, magical cleaning. Absolutely. Um, I also should mention that I found... Um, in, in my research that they say that you should not use a metal broom for magical purposes. It should preferably be a wooden broom. So a just metal, FYI. What, like it's, a metal handle? Right, you should not use oh. a metal uh, broom for magical purposes. It should be I was, wood. I was confused for a moment. I was like, I've never seen them. Oh, well, I guess, okay. Yeah, the metal, yeah, metal yeah. yeah, yeah. And, um, I mean, you know, plastic may or may not apply there as well. I don't know. But uh, like the nylon bristles. Right, right. So yeah. your best bet really would just to be a wooden broom um, for your magical broom. Which, I mean, you can find all kinds of brooms, or you can make your own. So there's lots of options. I mean, and a lot of times like craft stores um, will sell like the cinnamon brooms. Yeah. Yeah. You know, at the, at the holiday season. So, I mean, worst case scenario, one of those is fine. And then you could decorate it however you want it to have it for your magical purposes. Yeah. I have one of those hanging in my kitchen. I used to have one. Um, actually, I still have it. It's in the attic. I pull it out. It, I have it decorated for um, autumn, and it has a matching wreath, a uh, grapevine wreath. So I pull those out in the fall and hang them up. <laughs> um, hello, my my cinnamon broom stays out year round. But then again, well, I have it specific to a season, though. So that's um, the only thing. See, my my broom broom hangs in my dining room so right around the corner from my cinnamon broom oh right right well and my magical broom is actually in my bedroom see and mine mine so when you are storing your broom store it handle side down don't store it on its bristles it really hurts your broom it hurts your broom's feeling it, it ruins the integrity <laughs> it hurts so, feelings 
It 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 really really does. So please please put please store up. your put the bristles up and or hang it. Your broom has a hole drilled where you can you know put a hanger through the top of it as mine does. So so mine mine is hanging from a nail or actually it's a screw but in the wall. Yeah, I prefer hanging personally. That's just my own personal opinion. Um, okay, so back to uh, flying. Flying. So what did you find on the flying brooms? Okay, so and are what we I discussing have... the ointment? I will let you discuss the ointment, but let me just mention that the first documented known occasion of a witch confessing to flying on a broom was during the Inquisition times, and it was in uh, 1453. It was actually a man, not a woman. It was a man. His name is Gilliam Edelin. And he was the first to confess to being a witch and to flying on a broom. So, and that was, again, the first documented association between witches and flying on brooms. So I think that's where it all uh, really took off as far as being documented um, and having that association made and, and that connection being made. Um, but let's keep in mind, this guy was actually a priest. Yes, from St. Germain in Ley near Paris. And he had written a paper on why he thought witchcraft wasn't real mm -hmm. and wasn't from the devil. Right. So essentially that got him in trouble with the, with the church. And then he was, of course, tortured. And that is when he confessed to being a witch, flying on a broom, and also said that he had written those papers um, because the devil instructed him to, to try to make people uh, not believe in witches so that they would stop being hunted. So um, if you go and look this guy up, Gilliam Edelin, it's Guillaume. a lot of, Gil I'm sorry, go ahead. Guillaume. Oh, Guillaume. Really? It's French. Yeah. Oh, it's Guillaume. French. That's right. Okay. That makes sense. But if you go and look him up, every every reference will say that he's a witch. No. So, and what I found... I want to make it clear that he was not actually a witch. He might have confessed. But again, he was originally a priest. He did have his doctorate of divinity. Um but he was a priest who was tortured and then confessed to being a witch. So I just want to make that clear. Yeah. And, and what little I did find on, on him said that he eventually repented, but was still imprisoned for life. Mm. Mm. So, I mean, at least he, you know, he wasn't killed. Right. Right. But still, they spared him. Then. Yeah, oh gosh. Then. I mean, it, it wasn't a gift. Right, right, true. Okay, so that is where we have the first uh, mention. Now, do you want to talk about the flying? Okay, so 
from research, it really goes, um, there are, it goes both ways. There are people that believe that these witches used their brooms to apply their flying ointment. Whereas there are people that say, no, total hogwash. It was just applied on the skin. But I will say that in 1324, there was a wealthy Irish widow named Lady Alice Kit Kittler, who was tried for sorcery and heresy. Um, and they said that they found a pipe of ointment wherewith she greased a staff upon which she Ooh. ambled and galloped through the thick and thin. <laughs> so I think that might be where they are saying that, you know, the flying ointment and where they're, you know, the whole correlation, but you know, with the flying ointment, you know, it, it's a lot of like, um, nightshade and a lot of the hallucinogenics. Um, yeah, I found that it had a Bella, Donna, mugwort, uh -huh. poppy, um, were some of the ingredients. So Confusing. definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, yeah. hallucinogenic properties to a lot of those. Um, so on the camp that says that, you know, so, well, okay, let me go back. So there are those that believe that that witches would place the ointment on their broomsticks and then ride the broomsticks. We're getting technical. We're, 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 we're getting vulgar out here. I mean, let's just say it. And naked, they would ride the stick and it would, you know, so everyone knows that, you know, your private areas, it's a mucous membrane, which is thinner, mm -hmm. being a better area to... Absorb, absorb this mm -hmm. this mixture right <laughs> very quickly into the bloodstream very quickly so i mean and it, it was a potent psychedelic that you know you would think you were flying so i mean you probably you know if you were being an outsider coming in looking on the scene you'd probably see a bunch of women you know just writhing on the ground saying we're flying we're flying they're just flying there they're <laughs> right. they, they're tripping hard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. They're flying um, high. <laughs> now, others say that, you know, that probably wasn't the case. Even if it was even used, if it was even a thing, it was probably just applied topically. And, you know, you just carry your brooms. Right. So I did find um, that there are some, and I think this was, gosh, probably a good 50, 60 years ago, that there mm -hmm. were some covens that would um, make this ointment. And the person with the, like, who was trained, had the most experience, mm -hmm. knew how much to use and where to put it, um, would go around and, you know, the coven would lay in a circle and they would have their brooms next to them. And this coven, head coven member who, you know, quote, knew what they were doing. I mean, I don't know how, unless you're a scientist or a doctor, I don't know how you necessarily can say, you know, what you're doing when it comes to psychedelics, but, you know. Well, I mean, look at midwives. Midwives knew what they were doing with herbs. Well, that's true. But, that's true. But, you know, still, still, you're trusting somebody. 
yeah, you're trusting somebody else <laughs> to uh, not overdose you, essentially. But they would go around and they would. They would place this ointment on, you know, the different points of the body. Um, and then they would. They would all go flying. Um, so I did find they reference to it being. Yeah, right. They were tripping. Um, but I did find reference to that being done uh, many you know, 50, 60 years ago in Covens and probably, you know, back in, you know, when, when the hippies were running around and all the psychedelic drugs were, you know, really super popular. I'm sure there were Covens that were using them. Now, as far as making the ointment and applying it to the brooms and then quote, riding their brooms, we don't know for sure if there's any proof or validation to that. No, it's what's I mean, out there. It's what's talked about. There's no proof. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and even looking at historians, you know, on both sides of the camp, you know, it, it goes both ways. It, right. it truly is an unknown. And that goes back to, you know, things weren't really well documented. And what was mm -hmm. documented was documented by the persecutors. True. True. And any other things that would have been documented, you know, really, it probably would have been done very cryptically mm -hmm. um, or, you know, with some kind of symbology or metaphors that we could only guess at. Right. Definitely word of mouth. Right. So. And that's the main tradition. You know, that's the main way that, that, that these traditions we're, we're passed down a lot of this stuff. So we have to keep that in mind. So we wanted to mention it because, um, it is, it's out there. It's, uh, it is. it's, it's a part of the brooms and the, the besoms. So we wanted to talk about it, but we also want to let you know that we cannot say for certain, and we are not saying that it is factual. We're just saying it's information that we found out there. We do not recommend trying it. And I'm not taking a side either way. I can't say for certain, you know, what was or wasn't done. So. Right. True. Yeah. Now, I personally wanted. Me personally, I wouldn't do it. But that's just me. Okay. But <laughs> I mean, think about it. If you're back there in 13, 14, 15, 1600s, what really was there for a woman to do other than to make her man food, turn the butter, you know, it, it's. <laughs> There wasn't a lot for women. I mean, tripping balls was probably like their, you know, their show. Great escape, <laughs> right? If they didn't have antidepressants and mommy and mom juice. Oh, that's true. That's true. Mommy I guess needs everyone to drink mom juice back then. <laughs> true. They they did. It was a regular thing. Um. I don't know. I can't speak to 13, 14, 1500, you know, me. I don't know what I would do then, but I know in the here and now I wouldn't do that. Right. Also for like sanitary reasons. I'm sorry. It is known I am a germaphobe and that He's is just highly unsanitary. So <laughs> I'm telling you. You wouldn't have survived back then. I really wouldn't have because, you know, even just talking about that, that's why I, I personally cannot believe that any of that is true because the germaphobe that I am could not believe that people would, you know, <laughs> subject themselves to such, you know, 
germs and nastiness and exposing, especially your private parts to, I mean, think about how many hands touch these brooms. You know, did they have magical brooms apart from household brooms? I mean, this is a cleaning item, right? Like think about how dirty that is. It just freaks me out. It literally makes me cringe inside just thinking about it. You have no idea. It's so gross. <laughs> See, and I'm, I'm the one, I'm the Cute. mom over here that, you know, someone looks at me and goes, your kid's eating dirt. And I'm like, yeah, he likes it. Leave him alone. <laughs> he so did. My youngest, he absolutely loved dirt. Figured out he had pico, picos. So he needed iron. He was his iron, man. Leave him alone. Well, that is a real thing, uh, you know, that can't be diagnosed. Meanwhile, I'm over here, like, constantly saying, no, baby, no, baby, don't put that in your mouth. Don't put that in your mouth. Don't put that in your mouth. Oh, let's go wash your hands. Where's the wet wipe when I need one? Yeah, I'm that mom. So <sighs> what did you find on um, what you really think was the association between flying and brooms? Oh, right. Okay. So I, I found that the actual connection, um, you know, the inquisition period was probably due to a pagan custom of riding a broom through the fields to promote fertility. And this was done. So they would ride their brooms like a hobby horse, um, Mm -hmm. through the fields and they were basically sweeping away the dead, AKA last year's crop. Um, to make way for the new crop um, and to promote fertility. So this was just a pagan custom that was done, but, you know, the, you know, church coming in and seeing these pagans riding brooms through the field, I mean, yeah, I can totally see where they'd be like, this is witchcraft. What are they doing? <laughs> Which is right. right rooms. Um, you know, and 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 have that association made. Yes, yeah, so anthropologist Robin Skelton, uh, she thinks that because of these festivals, and she called it the broomstick dance, oh, and the okay. fact that it was done in the light of the full moon to encourage the growth of crops. Um, oh, okay. For this particular dance. Um, and it wasn't necessarily brooms. It was brooms, pitchforks, or poles, whatever they had. Um, from, you know, the area that she was studying. Um, and, and she thinks, as, as well as you, that, you know, it became confused that, oh, well, these people must be going on their way to their orgies. Right. You know, up to no good. Watching these well, crazy I mean, people in the fields. <laughs> right. But I mean, these customs were probably, you know, and these festivals, they're probably hundreds of years old. Something that these people have been doing forever. But again, you know, these quote civilized, uh, you know, people coming in and seeing this being done, especially if it was done under a full moon. So I didn't see that part. So of course right. that makes it even more suspicious. Well, you know, you know, it was the Catholic priests, you know, uh, the monks that were traveling around to convert all these pagans. They saw that and go, oh, my God, these heathens. We have got to do something about this. 
but it's like what is this witchery? Right. What is this witchery? Um, it's like the conversation I was having with my son the other day. Um, he, he's been asking a lot of questions lately and like he was wanting to know why people believed, you know, things back then. He's been going on about Wendigos. And like, you know, I keep telling him, like, son, it's never a Wendigo. And if you've seen the show, you get the reference. But it's never a Wendigo. And he's like, well, why do people believe that? And I'm like, because they didn't have science. They didn't understand. It was a way to explain the unknown. Right. Um, I said, you know, if you're looking at the Northern Lights, you know, you're probably, oh my gosh, this is some God that is giving, you know, something's going on over here. It was a right. way to explain. And, you know, definitely as, you know, society advanced, as science advanced, you know, there became less of the need to explain the unknown. But I, I do love that, you know, a lot of this, the lore, the myths, the you know, the reasons why I have survived to today, right. because that's our origin. That's where right. we come from. And a lot of that's slowly, you know, dying away um, as stuff is being explained or, you know, now that people know better or have science and, you know, have reasons and answers. I think we are losing a lot of that history in, in the lores and the myths and the old wives tales and, and all that stuff. So I think, you know, it's definitely important to still talk about it and oh, to yeah. teach your kids about it. Because if you don't, it's going to die out. And that's probably the biggest thing that hurts my heart is old, old skills dying out. I mean, look at the pyramids. You know, scientists have been baffled over how the pyramids were built, how over how Stonehenge was erected. Yeah. I mean, that was technology that they had, you know, back then, but then was lost until, right. you know, they still don't know how they did it. I, mm, it hurts my heart. No, you're right. It was, it was some kind of skill or knowledge or technology that was lost. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's just going to continue to happen if we don't continue to talk about these things and, and teach it and pass it down. So it's definitely um, important to talk about. Um, so the next thing I think we should talk about, talking about history and uh, legends and customs and different things um, is why now okay so you know we've got Beltane coming up on May 1st yes. mm -hmm. so we did this show last week on the fire element um, and we are doing this week brooms um, and the tie-in to Beltane um, is jumping the broom right because Beltane um was the beginning of spring and so it was associated with marriage and fertility and life so you know you know you have the maypole festival which is you know associated with beltane as well mm -hmm. but um also jumping the broom uh that's when a lot of people were getting married and i think some of you might be surprised about uh the whole jumping the broom 
where it originated where where the roots are with jumping the broom um so yeah we were surprised yeah we were surprised so you know beltane yes it is that that may 1st spring festival uh well and and early summer festival and bringing in fertility and uh a lot of people were they were getting married they were doing their hand fastings and they were jumping the broom. So, sister, do you want to uh, jump into this one or do you want me to? No, that's fine. I will jump into this one. Okay, go so ahead. jumping the broom, actually, the, um, the earliest account to jumping the broom dates back to the 1700s. And it was actually the Roma community. Or gypsies. You know, people don't, you know, supposed to AKA say gypsies, gypsies anymore. AKA gypsies. <laughs> I mean, I, um, I, okay. Anyway, I won't go into it. Go ahead. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but yeah, it, it was the Roma community. Um, and it was because their beliefs were considered, you know, they were pretty almost banned from the church. You know, they, mm. they couldn't be wed in the church. They so the Roma community, right. Yeah. So the Romas, they created this jumping over the broom and that was their ceremony so that they could be uh, married in the eyes of everyone else, even if it wasn't recognized in the church. Um, But it's interesting because um, with that, it says the marriage, it was said to be doomed or invalid. If either of the newlyweds touched the broom with jumping over it and marriages could also be annulled by jumping backwards over the broom. I did see that. And I thought that was interesting. Right. So, and, and some of the other European customs, um, was for the bride to jump over the broom on entering the marital home for the first time to signify a rejection of witchcraft. What? what? Interesting. Right. I also saw that that might also be where we got the custom of the groom carrying the bride um, through the threshold. Oh, see, that neat, neat. Now I could see that. Yeah, that's um, where that came from. So, but in my studies, so it was Professor Diane Stewart, um, and she teaches religion and African-American studies. And um, she was actually studying abroad in Nigeria. And being African-American herself, she wanted to find the ties between Africa and jumping the broom. And she said, wherever she looked, she couldn't find a link. There was absolutely no links between broomstick weddings and Africa. So um, she has, she kind of has two working theories on that. So um, I actually found a few different sites. So aside from this woman doing research, there are a few other people who have researched the same thing and also came up short and were not able to find any reference to brooms or jumping the broom um, anywhere in African traditions or cultures. Uh, it's just not there. And that that shocked us. That that yeah. really did shock us. Well, you know, uh, because and an, an article I read, um, you know, said that the, the idea of jumping the broom 
really became popular with the show or movie Roots. Right, right. And that's kind of where it made its big uh, comeback, comeback. Mm-hmm. was because of that movie. And so I think there was just really this misunderstanding um, and people really thinking that this was something that, you know, African-American slaves did and that it was brought over with them from Africa and that that was, I think, the big misconception. Right. Um, So her running theory is that um, jumping the broom came to America from Britain and became established in the South Um, and that the slave owners imposed the foreign custom on on couples who desired a symbolic ritual because they couldn't get married because, you know, we, you know, slavery is bad, y'all. It's not good. But, you know, they were seen as property. And because they were property, they couldn't they just couldn't get, married. get married. Right. And that's sad. I'm all about love. I mean, it breaks my heart. I'm just saying. But well, it's um, really, it really is sad. And it's really disheartening. And, of course, the whole, you know, it's, it's all terrible. Um, and I think it's terrible that there were, you know, some areas in which this was forced on their slaves as a way for them to be uh, married. But I think, I don't think it was always forced. Um, I think it ended up being adopted. Right. So she also said her second running theory is that given the historical association of broomstick weddings with the marginalized groups, being the Roma, um, and the lower classes in Europe and then the United States, it's not surprising to learn that in order to suit their needs, some enslaved people willingly adopted the practice from the poor whites who surrounded them. Right. And that makes sense, too, because it was a way for them to have their own type of uh, ritual and ceremony. So, I mean, it it totally makes sense, Um, you know, because, again, so from what I was finding, yes, it started with um, the the gypsies from Wales. But then also, you know, there were Welsh and Irish um, Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, other um, British communities are, are what am I looking for? What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Welsh, the Irish. Uh, anyway, and the, the surrounding. Scottish? No, I didn't see Scottish mentioned actually, which I, I found interesting. Um, but it's like all those like Northern British uh Areas, yeah. yes, that um, really did, you know, jumping the broom, and it was, and it's, it's, you know, I, it goes back to the 1700s, so it's hundreds of years old, and it's something that was done, and and like you're saying, I mean, it was for people that came to America, that you know, immigrated here, if they were poor and they couldn't afford a wedding or a ceremony mm-hmm. or because there was so much hatred, um, you know, still, I mean, even then, you know, between like the Irish and, um, 
the Italians and, you know, all these different groups really disliked each other. So if you were in an area that, you know, you were maybe the minority and you couldn't go get married in the local church, you know, or what have you, like they still had these customs and these ways of doing these ceremonies. And yeah, it was mainly the poor people. They couldn't afford to go do all these, you know, big lavish weddings and whatnot. Right. So, I mean, it totally makes sense. Um, and I think that's why it's still done today, especially in the pagan communities. Um, jumping the broom is still very much a, a, a part of, of what's done. And, and I think there's still a lot of um, African-Americans that decided to keep, you know, keep it and incorporate it and use it because they wanted to honor their ancestors um, you right. know, that, that were here and honoring that that's where they came from, you know, because these two people decided to jump the broom and get married. They're here today. And so right. they wanted to honor that by having it a part of their, their wedding ceremony. And I think that's, I think that's awesome if that's something that they choose to do and, and honor it. And I definitely like to think that, you know, it's something that these, um, people chose to do. I mean, I like that version a lot better, of course. Um, do we know for sure? No, we don't know. I mean, we'll never know. Um, but I think it's a fun thing to do. I think it's an awesome thing to do. And I think if you're getting married and you want to add jumping the broom in, I think you should, especially now that you know the history. Um, so, you know, really it's for everybody. It's for everybody. I mean, anybody can do it, you know, at, at this point, I mean, let's, let's be honest. America is such, you know, a mixed pot, right? So at this point in time, you know, unless you do the DNA test, you don't know where you're from. <laughs> right. We did the DNA test. We did the DNA test. Uh, so, you know, unless you do that, uh, chances are you could be a little bit of everything from anywhere. And if this is something you want to do, or even if you're not and you just want to do it because you're a witch, do it. Own it. Own Make it, it yours. and do it. Make, yes, make it yours. So uh, I was actually seeing that a lot of times um, these brooms, they're very highly decorated. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's not just you lay a broom down and jump it. No, like these are really special brooms. They're decorated. They can be gifted. Um, one woman I saw where she had studied um, and done the research on jumping the broom, and she found a Jewish a woman who had a broom from her wedding where they had jumped the broom and Mm -hmm. this same broom had been passed down for like seven generations. I, so this same professor, um, in teaching her class, she had a Polish, uh, student who had had, um, who had the broom that had been jumped by her family that had gone back six generations Oh, and she wow. was just fascinated that she got to, you know, this person actually brought the broom in so she could, you know, look at it and see it. And, you know, it, it, she just found it so special. And, you know, that even they were doing it in Poland. Right. Right. So, well, and this other woman was, was Jewish. So. Right. Really, it's for anybody. Um, 
But I love that idea of passing it down. Right. That is so cool. I mean, it's, it's once you jump the broom, it's like, that's an heirloom. Right. <laughs> so make sure it's really super cool and beautiful and, uh, you know, because it's going to be passed down and it can well, be added too with each, with each new jumping. And that's what they did with the Polish broom, um, you know, in this Polish family is that, um, each couple getting married tied ribbons with their names written on it to the handle of the broom. Oh, nice. And so, you it was know, like a way to document it. It documented it and then, you know, carried it forward. So that, that was neat. I thought that was really neat and special. Because that is really You neat can see your great, great grandparents, you know, on back, you know. Right. This I could even, I could even see, like, I'm, I just saw this little vision of getting like one of those many mini journal journals the little miniature ones and you could almost get one that looks like a miniature book of shadows and tying it to the broom mm-hmm. and then having the couple sign it oh that'd be and put neat. the date so then you actually have their name their signature and the date um and then everybody can add you know go to the next page and and do it as it's passed down. I think that would be super cool. So if anybody wants to and steal think, that idea, you're welcome to. <laughs> okay. No trademark pending on that one. <laughs> yeah. I think that's an awesome idea. So definitely want to incorporate something in the broom when, when uh, me and Rooster get married. <laughs> I like Just that saying. Idea. And then I'm going to pass the broom down to our daughter, Emmy. (laughs) I'm all about making these little magical heirlooms for her and magical things that can be passed down. And so it's definitely going to be magical. I love it. I love it. You've seen. Yeah, I couldn't. Well, and I'm working on a book of shadows and like all kinds of cool stuff. And I have a little fun, little magical book that I'm making her just like fun, little magical quotes. Mm-hmm. And a little drawing, some pictures, because, you know, her daddy's an artist. So I'm like, hey, I need you to draw me a picture of a dragon in here. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so back on track. Um, a few more things we wanted to mention. So the staff of the broom is considered masculine. And the bristles, the brush part, is considered feminine. And so the broom is um, a symbol of unity of the two and it balances the polarities of masculine and feminine. And to that point, it is sacred to both the god and the goddess. Although you will see mention that some will say that it's sacred only to the goddess. But I guess it depends on whatever your personal belief is. But I have right. I have found that it's sacred to both, which makes sense to me being the representation. Um, I also have that. Traditionally, the staff was made of ash. The brush bristles, um, twigs were f- of birch, and that the uh, binding string string was willow. Mm-hmm. So, and that you don't have to stick to that today. That's just traditionally what was used. Um, 
Yeah, and you have a lot of info on making, so I will let you go ahead and take that. Right. So I did take a broom making class. Um, there is a school um, up here in North Carolina, and uh, for the life of me, I can't think of the name of it right now, um, but it's over in the mountains, and they are all about keeping old traditions, old crafts um, alive. You can learn anything at this school. And um, they've also got like kind of an intern program. So if you come in and clean, oh. they'll give you room and board um, and, and let you take classes if you're willing to work there, oh, you know, cool. kind of earn your keep. Um, yeah, because they, they really want to keep it accessible. You know, they want to keep these skills going, um, you know, and they teach they teach the old way of doing things, basket making, broom making, um, metal works, um, working, yeah, you know, <laughs> I was going to say working with the forge, but I know there's a technical name and that's escaping me right now too. Cause, uh, um, but, uh, stained glass windows, anything woodworking, you name it, they've got it. Um, but, um, so the person that I learned to make brooms from actually attended this class and, uh, learned it well enough to, you know, go on and, and teach herself. Um, but uh, kind of following, you know, the method that I learned from her, I saw the the Dancing Goats Folk Studio uh, is on YouTube. There's a video on making traditional besoms. Um, and, and it is a traditional besom because he incorporates the number three when making the brooms, which, which was, which is important. Um, and when it came to the bristles, um, so brooms nowadays, um, back then it was kind of made into whatever you could make it out of what, you know, sticks, brush, what have you, that was lying around. Right. Um, whereas nowadays, Benjamin Franklin actually brought, um, sorghum or broom corn to the United States in the 1700s. Um, and by 1834, you know, broom corn was became the standard for making brooms. Um, so uh, there, I think Caddy's or Katie's is pretty much like the number one broom corn supplier in the United States. Um, and, and they're pretty cool because they they sell um, colored corn. Uh, oh, so you can get any kind of colored bristles that you want. Uh huh. Yeah, you can, or you can dye it yourself. Um, you know, there are tutorials on YouTube for dyeing your corn if you wanted to. Um, but and it's nice because you know where I get like a ten-pound box of corn, you know, you can get it in smaller quantities as well. Um, but pretty much uh, broom making today, it's finding a wooden handle, whether it be a stick or just buying a broom handle. You know, it. If you're living in the city, you don't have access to all of the tools and, you know, everything uh, to really get in there and clean a handle and, and get it going good. You can buy one, you know, make, make it your own and then you can maybe color on it and decorate it. Um, but um, nowadays we use a number 18 nylon cord because you really have to pull on it. Um, you really want it to be tight so that your broom doesn't fall apart. And the nylon cord, Hank, can handle the stress that you're doing. Um, and, and, and if you don't want the nylon to show, you can always come back and, you know, tie other things around it uh, later. 
Um, but uh, yeah, you said we were going to be making a class or we were going to be making brooms next week. Yeah. So okay. we'll be posting in the group. Um, we're going to do another group craft um, next Wednesday and we'll be making besoms for Beltane. So um, we'll, we'll put the supplies list in the group and we'll put the, you know, we can put the link to um, the YouTube uh, videos that you're talking about. So people can go ahead and watch some of it if they want to. And then right. you guys can join us next Wednesday. Um, so you have time, you have a week to get your supplies together and then we'll be making them together. And then the best part is decorating them when you get done. So you can do ribbons, charms, crystals, um, anything you want and just, you know, decorate away. And um, you can, if you have a wood burner, you can like burn runes or symbols and sigils into your broom handle um all kinds of cool things that you can do so as far as making the brooms we'll put um a whole bunch of information on that to get ready for the group craft um in the facebook group so if you're not in the facebook group it is the witch source society and that is the place to be it's a great place to go ask questions get magical support um and just have some fun and talk about magical things, whatever you guys want to talk about. Um, we are in there and we do like to answer questions. It's also a place that you can um, leave episode requests. So if there's something that you yeah. want to know about, um, we can take your request and we'll do a podcast episode on it. So, um, but yeah, so you know, your broom handle, you can, again, get something from, you know, find a, a good stick out in the yard. Uh, or you can buy one. Um, you can get your broom corn. We'll post where you can get some of that um, if you want to order that. Or you can do old school and get twigs and um, herbs right. and brush and whatever you can find from out in the yard or a park, um, wherever you have access to. So it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, you don't have to put a lot of money into it. Um, right. You know, so, I saw like, a lot of people just use dried herbs because remember, you're not using your magical broom to sweep. Right. So you don't have to worry about it getting messed up or dirty or breaking or falling apart. You're using it for magical purposes. So just keep that in mind. Yes. And, and definitely make it your own. But if you do happen to get your hands on some broom corn and you are going to be joining us later that night, make sure you so start soaking it earlier in the day. It, it, the broom corn does have to be wet when you work with it. Whereas um, I'm not sure, I'm not sure on the sticks or other things, if those need to be soaked. Uh, wood, when you get it wet, makes it more pliable, which means that you can tie it tighter. The tighter you tie your broom means that it's not come up, kind of, it's not going to come apart later on. And, and that's kind of the key thing. Yeah. And we'll put all last. that. <laughs> we'll put all that information um, in the post in the group. So you have everything you need to know, uh, what you need to do to prepare um, and all the supplies and then come have fun with us, come craft. Yes. Okay. So uh, a few, did you have anything else you want to add on the broom making? No. Uh -uh. Okay. Um, so a couple other things I wanted to touch on. So early American magical practitioners, um, especially women, would use the broom as a form of communication with other witches. 
So uh, a broom, so what they would do is they would put the broom outside of their house. And so it would let their other, they would let other witches um, know what's going on. So a broom leaning close to the front door with the bristles up meant I've gone visiting. The bristles down next to the door meant I'm home. Uh, a broom laying down meant I'm busy. Please come back another time. Which, that's probably how mine would stay. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you want to come see me, you better call ahead. Um, I don't like surprises. Uh, uh, so, uh, if the broom bristles sat up over the window, it meant that you were home, that you were not home, but you would be back shortly and you were welcome to come inside and wait. Oh. I, like I know. That. I thought that was cool. And so then another thing what they would do is tie messages with ribbons um, to the broom. So you could go read the message. And then they would also use different colored ribbons to mean different things as well. So depending on what color was tied to the broom, it would mean, you know, it would have a certain meaning. So it was a way for the witches to communicate before the little thing called the telephone was invented. That kind of reminds me of like, you know, uh, people used to communicate with fans, you know, and the way you would hold or do your fans in different ways, you know, had different meanings. Oh, I didn't know this. You will have to educate me. Oh, oh my God. I just got us fans. You're talking about like the type of fans that I just got us? Uh, yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, then we have something to talk about when we go to the vendor event. FYI, you guys, if anybody lives in North Carolina, we will be at the Pagan Pride Festival. Um, during Beltane. So it's the weekend of uh, Beltane. And um, we will be, it's in Reedsville. So look it up, check us out. We will be at the Pagan Pride event that weekend. Um, you'll find us. We will have uh, our banner out front with the witch source on it. So stop by, stay hi, say hi, um, do some shopping, check out your magical supplies. Um, or get a reading with me. I'll yeah, also be reading and, readings that day. And if you can't make that event, we will be at the Summer Solstice Festival in Greensboro, North Carolina on June 18th. Yeah, so you can make plans so. to come see us there. We would absolutely love it if you would stop by and say hello. Yes. Okay, so one last thing. I have a couple of broom spells that I wanted to leave you guys with. All right, so to enchant a household broom for magical purposes, sprinkle the bristles with a few drops of water and a pinch of salt, and then fan it through some incense smoke. Or you could do sage or, you know, whatever. Um, and this is how, like, you, it's kind of your, uh, your consecrating ritual because it is your uh, magical tool. So you want to cleanse it and bless it, consecrate it, and then ask to get to work with you for the purpose in which you're using it, right? Which we already talked about what you're, how you're going to be using it. But when you get it, um, it's, you know, recommended, suggested that you do that before you start using it for rituals um, or magical purposes. So uh, continuing on. So then place both hands on the broom and say. I don't know if the she proper, got it. The proper, which is. You were cutting out. Yeah. Okay. You oh. do now. Oh, am I here now? I don't know if you what need to start it. You heard. 
Uh, you're going over your second. I was going to start on mine. So I'm going to be like, okay, I don't know what happened to her. All right. Oh. Start again over your second one. My second, your, your second one? Yeah. Or no, we were saying you say something. What do you say? What? Okay. I was talking about how you want to make sure that you um, cleanse your broom, bless it, and yeah. consecrate it before you use it for magical purposes. Yeah. You heard and that? And then you say what? Yeah. And then you say what? Oh, okay. Um, so you place both hands on the broom and say, uh, the proper witch's broom is not used for magical flights. Instead, it brushes out harm and sweeps in love and light. Oh. Yeah. And then you want to display it in a prominent place of honor. I thought that was That's cute. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> so so one of a little charm is... to bless it. Go ahead. All right. So one of mine is um, jumping over a broomstick nine times will bring a suitable spouse within one year. Oh, okay. Cool. Oh, yeah. We had... Um, we had like a whole little thing, didn't we? Go ahead and go over those and then I'll get back to okay. the, uh, two other spells. Okay. All right. All right. So I think most people have heard that if a broomstick falls over, company's coming. Yes. And that was made yeah. popular by Practical Magic. Yes. Yes. Um, never sweep under someone's feet because it causes bad luck. I've also heard that it'll cause you not to get married. Oh, really? Yeah, the sweeping under some yeah, will cause them to not get married. I think it it's you know depends on where you're from, you know, the different traditions. I would, yeah. I would agree. I would agree. Um some traditions say to sweep from east to from west to east, then throw the dust out the back door. Hmm. But then again, I've also heard that you're not supposed to sweep your dust out the house because that sweeps away all your good luck. Mm, right. A lot of these are very contradictory. So contradictory. Um, the witch's broom is used to summon winds for mat for weather magic. Throwing a broom into the air off of a cliff summons the wind, while burning one stops the wind. The brooms aren't easy to make. I don't know why you know you'd be burning your. I mean, unless or tossing it off a cliff. Oh, right? but talking about weather magic, you know, there was the association with that goddess um, about weather, and I did read actually quite a few things of using your broom for weather magic. And mm. I also read that if you're doing weather magic, you should do it alone and not talk to people about it until well, after it's the, done. I mean, I've always thought that magic was supposed to be done and then not spoken about. Right. So, to keep silent. Yeah. Yeah. But they, they recommended doing weather magic alone. Don't let your tongue get you burned tomorrow. Um, so uh, lay a broom under the bed for protection. And see, uh, I found you can hang it above the door for protection. See, uh, laying a broom across the threshold ensures only good visitors come by. So there's that. Um the straws of a broom are thought to have magical powers and are used in healing spells. Mm, nice. So, yes, yes. That's what I've got. 
Okay. And then another one I found was that you can hang it um, above the bed for fertility. Yeah. I, you know, I did see that somewhere. I don't have it on here though. Yeah. And especially, I think that's especially good if it's the same broom you used for jumping the broom. Mm -hmm. So, so after you jump the broom, you can put the broom over your bed for fertility or hang it above the door for protection or, you know, use it to sweep in good luck and good fortune. Did you say good fucking good fortune? Good luck. Yeah, you're no, hot out of the gutter. No, y'all, I'm hard of hearing. You really are hard of hearing. It's a whole thing. I am. It's a whole thing. Here, I get hearing aids next week, people. We'll be better. <laughs> it's going to get better. I got better. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, a broomstick spell to remove gloom. Oh, and if you guys are interested, these little charms, um, the... Uh, Broom charms that I'm sharing with you come from Cottage Witchery by Ellen Dugan, which is a great book. I love Ellen Dugan. Um, I think she's a fantastic writer, but I absolutely love, love Cottage Witchery. It is a fabulous book. If you guys could see this book, you would see that I have very literally flagged and tagged and highlighted um, almost the entire book. So I'm just yeah, saying she's it's the one great. She's the one that said that if you can't get rid of your broom to, you know, when you're moving to put it through the window. Oh, well, she is one smart witch. Let me just tell you. Uh, she okay. Is. She's amazing. <laughs> she is. All right. So first, now this is the one for removing gloom. First, sweep the room to clear it of all negativity. Um, you, of course, want to do counterclockwise like, like we talked about. Um, but then when you're done, you'll, you say all negativity must leave this room as I sweep away all the dust and gloom. So that's to remove gloom. And then right. here's one to sweep away bad luck from the threshold. So, uh, you'll sweep and clean your room and you'll leave a little pile of dust close to the front door. Um, you can just dispose of the rest, but you just need a little bit near the front door. And then uh, you take that last remaining pile of dirt and open the door and take a deep breath and visualize your front door surrounded by a blue glowing light. And then you'll sweep the remainder of the dirt out the door and over the threshold and off your porch or steps. And then as you're doing that, you repeat quickly this charm three times. As I sweep away bad luck with this enchanted broom, negativity must flee to the sound of this tune. This threshold, this threshold is protected and surrounded with light. My home is warded and secure both day and night. So that's a cute little charm. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, one last thing that I saw, which I found this one to be very interesting. Um, this is to banish ghosts. Oh, yeah. okay. Right? <laughs> I told you it was interesting. Um, all right. So they recommend doing it during a waning moon um, to use the banishing energies or at the very least to do it on a Saturday because Saturday is a good day to remove problems. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you take two bristles from your ritual or household broom. Oh, 
and you burn them inside of a cauldron or old pot. Mm -hmm. Okay. The next you sprinkle all the inside corners of your house with salt, blessed water, and incense smoke. And then you go to the center of the house and say, in the name of the lady and by the power of a witch's art, all spells and energies not in harmony with me must now depart. And then finally it says, uh, take the blessed water and draw small stars on every door, window, and mirror as this seals up the house so nothing can get in, including negative energy. Um, and then it says, once the water dries, the stars will be invisible, but the magic will remain. I like that idea. Yeah. You know, I think it's worth giving it a try. You know, right. if, if you can't sage um, or, you know, do other things, I definitely think it's worth giving it a try. Um, right. If it doesn't work, I don't want people to think that it's, you know, because your magic didn't work or that you're not powerful enough or anything like that. Sometimes there's just some really nasty stuff in houses that takes a lot more energy, work and effort to get rid of. Right. So if you try it and it works wonderful. Um, if you try it and it doesn't work, ask for help. <laughs> right. You Call know, then the priest. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Yeah. So then if that doesn't work, move on to the sage. And if that doesn't work, then you might need to contact some local witches to come get your house cleaned out. Um, right. Because we, we've done several house cleanings and sometimes they're pretty intense and it takes a lot um, depending on what's there and what's going on. Um, but yeah. So if anybody's local and needs help with house cleaning... Uh, we do house cleanings and we do travel and we also do house blessings just yep. FYI. So if you're interested or need that, just contact us. Um, again, you can find us in the witch source society <laughs> group on Facebook. Um, you can find us on Facebook. Just look for the witch source and please be sure to like, follow and share while you are there. Cause we appreciate it. Um, we're also yes. on Instagram. We're also on YouTube um, and wherever you're listening to this podcast, we would really, really love it if you leave us a positive review and share it with a friend. Um, also on the YouTube channel, you can find spell videos. Um, the most popular one, let me just tell you, um, and there are comments on there of people having wonderful, successful results, um, is the freezer spell. Right. We use that one a lot. We use that one a lot, and um, there are a lot of comments out there, but there are several of people saying how uh, wonderfully it has worked and helped them. So just throwing that out there. Definitely check out the YouTube channel. There's a few other little spells on there as well, and please subscribe while you're there. And, um, oh, and finally, go to the website, thewitchsource.com, um, and check out all of our magical witchy supplies um, we've got herbs, we've got oils, we've got candles, we've got fun stuff too, like keychains, boxes, uh, witches' hats. Um, oh, we've got our best-selling clear and protect spray, which you can use in place of sage. And uh, we also have two new sprays, clear protect um, sleep, 
which is good for divination, um, astral travel and sleeping and clear and protect love, which is great for self-love or bringing in or calling in love energy uh, into your life and your space. So check that out, you guys. Um, there's lots of other stuff on there. You can also book private readings if you're interested. Um, but yeah, if you guys, um, are enjoying this podcast, you have questions, comments, we absolutely love hearing from you. We love getting your questions. Um, or if you have show requests, um, you can send it to the witch source at gmail.com. We absolutely would love to hear from you, uh, and any feedback you have. Uh, cause yeah, we like getting mail. It's fun. It is fun. <laughs> um, oh, and we are building a question and answer episode. So send us your questions and let us know that it's okay to use it on the show. And we will read your question and answer it on a podcast episode. Yes. So I think that's it for us. Did I forget anything? I don't think so. I think you got it all covered. All right. All right, you guys, um, check us out in the group next week. We're talking about Beltane. So get ready for that. And again, on Beltane, we'll be, um, out at the Pagan Pride Festival in Reedsville. We hope you'll stop by. Yes. So much fun. So much fun. And that is it for us, you guys. Uh, we hope that you have a very magical day, uh, morning, noon, or night, wherever you might be or when you might be listening. And don't forget to stay magical. Bye. Bye.